the most important thing is to get into an environment where you can learn the most, the fastest. So find out where you can learn the most, the fastest. Hello and welcome to another edition of TrekCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council from deep in the heart of Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio. Thank you for joining us. Today we're wrapping up Season 2 of our Legends of Commercial Real Estate series as Mark Gibson, the CEO of JLL Capital Markets Americas, sits down with Bill Cawley of Cawley Partners. Mark has become a bit of a celebrity with our members as his annual capital markets forecast is generally one of our more popular events of the year, and for good reason. His advice and insight is always fantastic. Mark leads nearly 2,000 capital markets professionals across the U.S., Canada, and Latin America, and shares responsibility for the strategic direction, growth, and client services of JLL's capital markets business as a member of the firm's capital markets board. Mark is a graduate of the University of Texas at Austin. He briefly talks with Bill about his Longhorns football days and began his career in real estate with Holiday, Finolio, and Company, the predecessor of HFF, of which Mark was a founding partner. Mark became the director and vice chairman of HFF in November 2006, prior to the company's IPO in 2007, and became CEO in 2014. HFF was later acquired by JLL in 2019 to expand its capital market services, and as they say, the rest is history. Be sure to subscribe to our show if you have not already. It's the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. All of our shows are available absolutely free, so go check out our event replays, roundtable discussions, and exclusive interviews like the Legends of Commercial Real Estate series. You'll find links to everything, including our social media pages and YouTube channel, in the show notes. We'd like to thank the Dallas Business Journal for sponsoring our Legends of Commercial Real Estate series. Visit the Dallas Business Journal online at bizjournals.com backslash Dallas for the latest breaking business news and exclusive reporting on the hottest topics fueling North Texas's growth. Subscribe to their email products, including local business news updates in the mornings and afternoons, and dozens of popular topics from their vast national network of business journals publications. And for more interviews with DFW business leaders and personalities, subscribe to their weekly Texas Business Minds podcast, available wherever you download podcasts. Now, here's Mark Gibson, another legend of commercial real estate, right here on TrackCast. Mark, thanks for doing this. You know, um, you're just one of my favorite people. And, you know, we talked a year ago about wanting to spend more time with each other. And I just value my friendship with you. And I, I've always looked at you as a guy that's got like a, a servant's heart. You are very much a giver. You give a lot of your time. And I just appreciate you doing this. Well, Bill, thank you, man. It means a lot to me and everything you just said, vice versa. Thank you. Um, you're one of my favorite people, so I'm going to enjoy doing this. Great. But to the audience, because I think this is going to be a podcast, right? Right. I'll just uh, state that after that eloquent introduction, it goes downhill from here, everyone. So if you <laughs> want to uh, cut it off, uh, I, I would understand. But so like what, what I'm trying to do here is just have a conversation to where people want to know, I think what most people are doing is when, when people have accomplished what you've accomplished in your life, people want to figure out 
can I be like Mark Gibson? Can I do what he did or, or whatever you've done? And I know you've got a so humble view of what you've done, but, um, you know, they just kind of want to understand kind of the key things in your life that have kind of driven you. So like, let's start with the basics. How did you get to Dallas? Why Dallas? I mean, are you from Dallas? Where, how did, where'd you come from? No, actually, uh, just a quick story. I grew up in Houston. I was the first person in my family to go to college. Uh, I only went to college uh, to play sports. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up at the University of Texas through a long way of saying that. Um, Did you play sport football at, at, at Texas? Well, play is a stretch on the word, but I was on the bench. You were on the team. And I was on the team. Uh, I was That's probably should get the Heisman for the best bench warmer now and then. <laughs> um, but it was, a, it was a really great experience, and I loved school um, and uh, loved UT. So it was a great experience, and um, I went from University of Texas to work at a bank in Houston. And then I was going to law school at night and decided that, So did you think you wanted to be a lawyer, or was Yeah, it, I mean, I enjoyed okay. some of the business law yeah. uh, courses I took at UT. And, yeah. Uh, so I was doing both of those and then had decided uh, somewhat, um, I, mean, I say everything in my life is through divine intervention, so I need to get that on the table. Yeah. Um, which means essentially I can take no credit uh, right. for anything that might have happened because I have great partners and truly been very blessed. So I, I would just say that uh, I had this uh, desire to not be a lawyer all of a sudden and be a banker and it just so happened that I met two of my original partners John Finolio and Hal Holiday and they gave me an opportunity and I went over to them and uh, from that point on became a partner and, and eventually you to Dallas or how'd you get to Dallas well in Dallas I was in Houston I said geez you know we we have a business in Houston we don't really have one in Dallas and um, my wife was from Dallas and I said geez you know why don't I go help Dallas. And importantly, um, I called Scott Dennis and said, who do you think is the best um, mortgage banker at the time and and intermediary in Dallas? And he said, Jody Thornton. So really our success in Dallas is due to Jody Thornton starting the office here. Uh, And I so... um, what was Jody before you guys Jody came? was at a, a different mortgage company. Okay, before okay. that, he was at Pete Marlick. I think I met you guys a, right after you started the, the yeah. business. Oh, well, yeah. you know, so Jody started the business here, and uh, I so enjoyed working with him and enjoyed him as a person that that really is what sparked the move. So um, I was overseeing Dallas, but Jody and I became friends, and uh, we just had complimentary but different skill sets and I said geez this is great and I asked my wife to move back from Houston to Dallas and that's probably an immediate that's that's the story yeah right okay and so like when being a banker did you kind of know hey this isn't for me I I mean when you were not I know you're a form of a banker but I mean a typical banking yeah job and it's changed quite a bit so I'll be but at the time um you know, it, it was a large corporation, an HR department. Yeah, you had you had very set um, 
you know, bonus components, et cetera. And I just said, gosh, I'd, I'd rather be just for me right. in a business where I'll take the risk on myself, totally. but I'd like to get paid for what I do. Yeah. You're uh, a leader, not a follower, in my opinion. Well, and I, I don't, I don't think you'd be a great employee. I, <laughs> I mean, pro- probably would I mean, be, if you uh, couldn't be, if you couldn't, I mean, you have passion for what you do. This is just my view of you. I mean, yeah. you have passion. You should lead. I mean, because you're a great leader, because you set good examples and you believe in yourself, right? For good or for for good or bad, yeah. I would rather bet Me too. Uh, on myself Me too. and and try and give it a go. And if I failed, then there were other things I could have done at the time. But if I didn't do it, and I think this is really important, um, I would always question totally. Uh, if I shoulda, coulda, woulda. And one of the things that I did, even playing football in college, was was it hard? Yeah. Did I have the talent? Really, no. But I had a heart, and I really wanted to do it. And I looked back on that at the time, and I said, well, gosh, I would really be angry at myself and disappointed in myself if I didn't live life fully at every stage so I never want to look back and go man I wish I would have right and Me that too. from that moment in college has been the defining thing in my life and really I attribute it to my faith and just going look we're put here we're given certain skills and let's go maximize it let's 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 give let's leave it all in the field so let's talk about your faith so did you come to faith early in your life or did, like I, did. I was one that came late, right? I was in my yeah. mid forties and I had to get thrown off a motorcycle to kind of have, I think the Lord just kind of said, okay, this guy's not going to wake up. We're just going to have to punch him in the face. But did you get to faith early in your life? Cause it's, I know about your faith and how it, it you follow it in your life. It leads your life. Right. Yeah, Bill, I, uh, and to anyone that listens to this, I rarely talk about it because um, I'd rather live it totally than talk about it. Right. But yes, I, I was one of those fortunate people that just knew God existed early. Yeah. But then, as most of uh, people do, I think they're honest intellectually, I had to get my head around it. Uh, so it's from faith, a right? spiritual standpoint, I knew it. Uh and from an intellectual perspective, it took me through my college years and into my adult years, and I really poured into really asking very tough questions to really smart theologians and reading it, uh, the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, and every other resource I, I could possibly find until I could reconcile both. Right. And so that's the that's the short story. Right. And and I think, um, and again, I don't, I'm not ashamed of my faith, right? I'm not. And uh, a lot of people get turned off by people that they think are kind of preachy or out front with their faith. And I do think living it is the way to go because I think, I mean, I just watch people that have strong faith, in my opinion, they just live solid lives, you know, and we all make mistakes. I mean, I'm not saying... You know, any of us are perfect, but I just admire a man that, that uh, lives his faith and just tries to be who he is, right? I mean, I'm not trying to, to be anybody other than who I am, and that's what I admire about you is I think you're just a, a solid guy and you, you own what you believe. Well, vice versa. I will tell you, my uh, at the end of that 
journey intellectually, it became much more difficult for me to uh, somehow state that God doesn't exist than he does exist. Right. So it became very difficult for me, uh, completely objectively and intellectually, to get to that point. So it was really interesting and fascinating. Um, so I, anyway, it's it, it has driven me from as early as I can remember and have a memory, uh, which has been uh, such a phenomenal um, encouragement to me. Yeah. Every step of the way. Yeah. So it's 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 been a, a huge, if not, well, it is the part of my life. Well, for me, having come late to it, yeah. the difference between my life before and after and the peace, um, it just makes you feel like you're on solid ground, right? Yeah. And also the reliability that my, you know, like I'm in the Bible every morning, I start my day that way. And, yeah. and again, I, you know, I'm not doing anything other than what I think. I wanted, I just want to wake up every day and do the, be the best human I can be. And yeah. I think if we both live that way to try to please God, everybody else around should be pretty happy, I would think. Well, we started this quick discussion. Again, I don't talk about this very much, but it, I'm, I'm going to go back to what you said earlier. So what are some things that kind of drove you early? Well, clearly it's my faith. But in reality, it I am convinced and could, could be wrong. I'm not yeah. telling you I've got it all right for yeah. sure, but... At the end of the day, I'm very convinced that your last breath on earth is the first breath in heaven, and we're going to have a conversation. Right. And I think the conversation is going to go something like, well, geez, you know, I gave you some skills, and what'd you do with them? Right. And I want that conversation to be a good conversation. I don't want it to be a bad conversation. I'm so you. I'm sort of living my life backwards uh, to prepare for that and go, well, what am I doing? And so when I think about... Um, leaving it all in the field and never regretting not doing something and no, if I should have, could have, would have. I think it's driven by that yeah. uh, in game where I'm, I, for me, I'm a hundred percent convinced that, that will happen. So that really drives decision-making now. Right. Yeah. And I, 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 I think you and I, um, live very similar lives that way, and I yeah. think it's it's. And by the way, get I am, I am, <laughs> you know, I am probably uh, one of the the foremost, uh, per, least perfect people known to man, Always. and right. make so many mistakes every single day. And I'm just thankful that you know, right. I, I, I the peace say that and go with it. Yeah. So what's what interest do you have outside of work? So are you I love hunter, outdoors. Fishing? Yeah, I mean, anything what do you do? outdoors. Uh, so I am. Uh, I, I I just marvel at um, God's creation. So any lakes, any rivers, any mountains, any oceans, uh, anything that I can be in and uh, enjoy it, whether it's fishing or scuba diving or. Are you a hunter? Like we? Are you a deer hunter or love, anything like that? Love the hunt uh, different things in yeah. different places uh, but again it's a it's an outdoor activity so right. hiking and fishing are probably my two right favorite things to do and are you more of a fly fisherman than a do you like to fly fish is love that, to fly fish yeah. it's, a, it's a passion yeah I, I like it but I'm I'm like a rookie it's frustrating <laughs> and I go on a couple one fishing trip a year two fishing trips one where you're doing a bait caster and one where you're fly fishing 
I actually enjoy the fly fishing more, even though I'm a lot more frustrated because you've got to, it takes a lot more finesse. And when you're with somebody that's just, you know, can loop the, it can yeah. do all the work. It's, it's, uh, it's once you, hard. once you do it and once you get it a little bit and you catch a couple it's of fish, best. it's really fun. Totally agree. Yeah, it's it just, a, it's, it's more finesse. It's art, right? It is. Right. It really is. Okay. So business. We're sitting in a world, a lot of upheaval. I kind of think we're in the, one of the best cities we could be sitting in. Everybody always looks to Mark Gibson for his annual forecast on what's going to happen. What's your view of Dallas? What do you, I mean, what do you think the next 10, 20 years look like for us? I think we're very uh, blessed to be here, actually, because um, <clears throat> there is no uh, doubt that you're going to have continued employment and population growth. That, that right. has not changed for right. a very long period of time for a host of reasons. Um, and, you know, from safety to uh, regulatory environments to cost of living to can-do spirit yeah. that exists here, the entrepreneurial network uh, that is prevalent in Dallas. Um all those reasons, uh, I see continued employment and population growth, unless something changes, which, you know, the pandemic is, yeah. is one of these really interesting things that you never know. So it's very difficult to prognosticate about, oh, gosh, you know, we got this 10-year run because a lot of things could change. But I do think that the fundamental constructs of government and business and entrepreneurial spirit uh, if those stay intact and are smart business practices and smart governance yeah. practices and just basic common sense, yeah, then it's going to be with us a while. And I think that's really good. And that's really for every Texas city. Um, right. Uh, across it. They're very different. Uh, and they have very different engines that drive them. But Dallas is unique in that it's highly diversified uh, in terms of the business industry, SIC code standpoint. And that's very attractive yeah. uh, to a lot. So when you think about major corporate uh, relocations, uh, all, all you have to do is I think they're coming. Is, well, no, they're already here. Right, and they're uh, going to keep and coming. And they're though. going to keep uh, coming for a host of reasons. So I, I'm very bullish. So am I. And have been bullish for uh, quite some time. Now, that's not talking about necessarily what we do every day, but which is real estate pricing and where is it going, and right. et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of the fundamental drivers of Dallas as a city and real estate, frankly, for that reason, we're highly correlated to population employment growth. Yeah. So if both of those continue to happen, then it's really good. You know, with the pandemic, um, when it started, I thought 90 days, we're in and out of this thing. No big deal. Had no view of reality of how deep it was but actually we all came through this thing pretty good i mean you know and again that we there were lives lost there were you know uh, a lot of pain things like that but i think economically or fiscally it seems like the real estate business managed it pretty well now i know as different asset classes were hurt at different levels i guess i look at it from an office guy but but I just think everybody managed it about as good as they could. Yeah, my, my view of the pandemic uh, will have a, a lot of uh, lessons learned and takeaways, but I guess the greatest 
takeaway for me is one of humility. Because who would have ever predicted um, it would have lasted this long, number one. Right. Number two, who would have ever predicted uh, the quick uh, adoption of various technology platforms, and we all had to learn it very quickly, and that was really interesting. Um, who would have predicted the rise in second home values? And who would have predicted the uh, stock market activity that would have happened? So when I look at it, we're still in it, obviously, but when I look at it and I look back at it, I always try and think about, well, what are the lessons? And while you know, I've been doing what I do for quite some time, and I am humbled almost every day, but this one was very humbling because mm -hmm. it, I've seen a lot of things in my career uh, and know how to address certain items. But when you get thrown a curveball, it's just intellectually fascinating that we never quite get there because there's always going to be something different mm -hmm. that we have to use our experiences to navigate through. And this is one of those we really had to navigate through. Yeah. So when you think about work from home and back to the office and uh, technology components and culture and talent, as well as continuing to create and innovate, uh, uh, you know, your company or your product, it was, it was as, um, I would say, as stressful and as, you know, I don't think I've worked as hard in my career. Right. And I don't think I have been as intellectually challenged in my life, which comes to the stress because of people that, mm -hmm. which is all. Yeah, you're leading a big group. And that's right? what we, uh, uh, the people are our only real asset. Uh, yeah. So very care, very much care about uh, every single person. So how do you do all that and keep it together and keep employment at a level that we needed to keep it at? So it's, um, it was a really challenging environment. But at the same time, when I say challenging, it was fascinating. Yeah, it could have been so much. I mean, it could have been very different. It could have been really. Ugly. It could have been very, very different. So did you learn anything, like for me personally, what I learned about me through the pandemic um, is I like a little bit more balance than I had before I went into it. Because, you know, when, I, when we were, when we, that first 90 or 120 days when we were at home, I mean, you know, normally I'm like, get me out of here. I mean, I love my wife, but I like work. Like on Sunday night, I can't wait to go back into work on yeah. Monday. I just can't. I, you know, I get myself all organized and going, okay, this is going to be great because work is fun for me. It's yeah. great. But I, I did really realize for me personally that the life balance piece, I wanted a little bit more balance. I kind of liked the Zoom meeting and not having to run to one meeting to the next. I kind of liked the efficiencies of some of the things we picked up. And I, I'm trying to maintain that because I kind of feel like in Dallas, we're not back to normal, but we're getting there. Yeah. Um, so did you pick up anything like that? Was there any kind of a, a change in you personally uh, from the pandemic? Yeah, there was. Um, and again, you know, lessons learned. Always try and learn something from uh, unique events. That was certainly a unique event. Um, but you said something, Bill, that I want to I want to convey to everyone. Um, you said work is fun for me. Yeah, well, my grandmother actually told me many, many years ago uh, that if I could ever find something that I really enjoyed doing, yeah, I would never work another day in my life. Right. That happens to be 
my career. So I found something that I really enjoyed doing. So I am giddy most days to come in and do what I do and associate with the people, the great people we have here. So that was a driver uh, always. And I think everyone should think about that because relative to business, uh, it really uh, hurts me to see people that are just stuck in a career that they don't like. Oh, it's man, a job. It's painful to look at. And so I would encourage, and we encourage people here, even if it's not staying with the company. Look, well, I mean, you got one life. Go, go make it happen. Right. Uh, and go find something that you really enjoy doing because if you do, you'll be the best at it. Right. Uh, and if you don't, I doubt you will be as um, successful as maybe your talents would otherwise right. suggest you could be. Anyway, well, <clears throat> so it, yeah, I am um, on the balance part. I traveled a lot uh, as part of my business. We have you know, close to 30 offices in the U.S. Uh, we have offices overseas in Europe and in Asia, and being on a plane three or four days a week is challenging, um, uh, particularly overseas. So one of the things the takeaway was, well, how much of these could I do via Zoom? Uh, I found myself exhausted in Zooms because there was no breaks and a lot of people interactions. Yeah, so, I'm with you. I'm so with it's you. a little bit of a hybrid for me. It can cut down on the personal wear and tear, uh, yeah. which is really important. Um, and second of all, and for those that still have young children at home or, or, or whatever, I mean, um, you know, family is first. I mean, faith needs to be. Right. You know, so because you, you got to keep that intact, it's very important. Uh, and maybe that gives you more time to do certain things. So I think there's going to be uh, some balanced takeaways from this bill right. across the board. For me, it was more do I really need to go to Asia? Do I really need to go to right. Europe? Uh, do I really need to go to Seattle or Boston? Or could I do that in a more efficient way uh, here? But I will say that I, I just cannot work from home. I, me either. I, I get. I, too was, many ideas, too many creativity. I had to be back in the office. I went back right away. The vast majority of our people felt the same once we ensured them to understand that yeah. health is really good. We, um, you know, we we uh, we took that to a level that uh, I look back on it and I'm somewhat amazed. We had no office to office transmission of COVID. That's awesome. Uh, during our uh, time in the office. And uh, is much safer than going to a grocery store or whatever. Right. And people really enjoyed that. So uh, it was great. But I did learn that about myself. I, I, I need uh, to be around people. Me too. And we need to create ideas in order to drive the business. I mean, we could tread water uh, as a business. We can't move it forward. We can't create it's synergy. It's and all we, people being together. Yeah, we can't train. Right. We, we lost quite a bit of productivity, even though you had less travel, et cetera. But... It was, we, we measured it. It was significant. I'm a guy that says work from home when I'm driving down the road and I see eight people on a bike at, at one in the afternoon, that's work from home. I, I, I just don't think you can have the same product productivity from home as you can. Now, there, there's exceptions to everything. Yep. That's why I never thought office was dead. Like, and I, I'll tell you what, Mark, I'm in these presentations with people coming to Dallas and I used to wait for somebody to bring up COVID. And in the end, I would bring it up. And it doesn't come up much. And now it doesn't even come up. 
when people are making decisions on space and how they lay it out and what they do, it's amazing to me how little it gets discussed. But so I, I think, you know, COVID probably made us all operate a little bit more efficiently, right? I and so. smarter. But so one thing I want to, before we get away from that is, um, so you love your job, you, you, you do in your passion. Will you ever retire? Do you ever see a day where you're going, okay, I'm flipping the switch off. I'm going to go uh, put the Hawaiian shirt on, put my feet up, and I'm done. No, I think anyone that knows me knows that's not That'll never cards. happen, right? Yeah. But I do think, um, so uh, I don't ever want to be the aging quarterback, uh, to use a sports analogy. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean, uh, so we have so many talented people here, and um, the minute that... Uh, we're all friends of mine that are in the business because we've grown up together yeah. partners and they go, you know, we've got three or four uh, folks that really want to lead and they want to do this. Yeah. And we think it'd be great. And I'm going to go, man, let's make it happen. So I may change roles um, and I may change different things that I'm doing. But in terms of being in the business that we're fortunate to be in, it right. say, I love the business. And so I'll be doing something. Uh, for as long as I'm physically able to do it and mentally able to do it. Awesome. Okay, out in the world, is there anything you see that's a real opportunity coming out of COVID and in the world, real estate business maybe, that you don't you think people are missing and that they're not taking advantage of? Do you see anything, any low-hanging fruit out there? Like I asked the same question to Ray Washburn, and his was energy. He thinks... Uh, everybody's going to green and moving away from um, um, oil and gas. And he thinks because of that, that's that's the opportunity. Do you see any opportunity out there you think people are missing? Well, I'm going to I'm gonna stick in my yeah. world, yeah. which yeah, is... Yeah, this would be me too. Yeah, just real estate. Um, yeah, I think they're missing the... I think they're missing the the need to collaborate to really drive business forward. There's too much narrative uh, out there that if we just look at some of the technology companies, you know, delaying inevitably, you know, return to office, but yet they're taking down more real estate than anyone in the United States. So I would encourage everyone to watch their actions, not their speech, uh, because that will change quickly. And, I think what people are missing is competition is going to drive collaboration. So if uh, Jamie Jimon at J.P. Morgan says we're back to work, which he has um, in various forms and fashion, and he outperforms, which is likely the case, then what do you think Wells and PNC and Bank of America may do? So that's external competition. Right. Um, Internal competition, if you're a young person and you don't have necessarily the fully built out network that you need and you're going to be working from home, but yet you have your counterparty who is your internal competition uh, in the office around uh, decision makers that are going to decide careers and compensation, I I think internal competition is going to drive different behavior. Now, again, the health component here, but what I find um, interesting here is that the vast majority of workspaces, and you mentioned it, Bill, are incredibly safe. So it's going to come down to um, 
<clears throat> it'll be a really interesting day of reckoning uh, when it happens in our view. And, and a really interesting study just was published this week. The Washington Post ran it both from two Harvard uh, economics uh, professors and business professors. And it went through the pros and cons of companies historically, and we, we have the same data, um, and, and what behavior ultimately is going to morph to. It fits very, it, it affirms what I just stated. So it's a really interesting academic look at the pros and cons of what companies will need to do. Now, does that mean that it's not going to be a hybrid? No, it is going to be a hybrid. Does it mean uh, more flex work schedules? Yes, and sure. I think that is awesome. And That's I, good. The reason I think it's awesome is it'll keep more people in the labor force I agree. longer. So I think that is really, really good, especially in high commute markets like New York or San Francisco or Chicago. I think it just is common sense. Totally. So having said all that, I do believe that though the need for consistent collaboration and idea exchange and training and mentoring and culture forming is really important in an environment where you can be together. Now, is it a traditional office building that's 80 stories high? I don't know. Is it a little different format? Is it a little different place? Uh, is it in an urban area or suburban area? There are all right, you know, discussions that people are having, and we'll see how it goes. But I think the thing that people might be missing is to have a dynamic company and a dynamic culture. You're going to have to collaborate. Right. And it's not consistent across all industries. There are certain industries and certain segments of industries that might be good. Uh, you know, remotely, uh, that that can work and maybe it's more efficient. Um, so will there be a, you know, a net negative demand relative to office maybe. usage over time? Yeah. Could be, could be a percent. I don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll have to see. I think in Texas, the people are definitely going to probably shrink in size and have some like accounting can stay home and those kind of issues. I mean, every company's different, but but I do think the in-migration in is going to kind of help us kind of stay stable in Dallas yeah. and in Texas. Well, I, th I think the myth of never collaborating again, it's, it's, just, it's, it's a myth. It's I a narrative that I don't understand, and it's not supported by any academic data. The other thing that would be, I would be remiss if I didn't bring it up is I think people are missing retail. Actually, retailers are doing incredibly well. It's coming back big time. Um, it's I agree. Uh, and that's a pretty much across the sectors. But I do think that um, this pandemic accelerated trends that were already existing in the U.S. There's really nothing new other than some safety components. So trends were existing. What COVID did is really accelerate. Retail yes. is no exception. They had formats and business models that have been in existence for a long period of time that had not changed in eons. Right. And what and they should go into business. But what happened here is you had rapid creation of new business models and new ideas and it's really worked. Yeah. So I think people are really underestimating retail uh, across the board. So within my sphere of somewhat competency, say that with all due humility. Um, I think people are missing the office component and I think they're missing the retail component. Yeah, because, you know, like every restaurant that went out of business, there were five chefs working somewhere else that had a plan that now there's existing space they could step into 
and, and, and fulfill their dream, right? So I, I always felt like retail would recover. I think it's going to be different some in some many ways, but I, I, I'm one, maybe it's because I'm a developer, but I always believe that we're going to figure it out and it's going to recover. It may be different, but it's, we're going to figure it, you know, yeah. it's going to come back. Well, and I, I do want to say there were certain segments, particularly the service business, the restaurants, et cetera, that were incredibly elevated. Yes. And I don't want to no, minimize that at all. Minimize that at all. Because it was just unbelievable. So many people were, you know, lost jobs and restaurants yeah. that have been in existence for a long period of time. I understand that. Yeah. But plenty of others. So now it's come back and held us better adopted vis-a-vis -vis takeout or yeah. whatever they needed to do to at least tread. Right. Uh, but now I see those coming back in, in most areas of the country. Yeah. So it's it's heartening to see. That. Yeah. Okay. So after the election, presidential election, um, I quit watching the news. I found myself being uncomfortable when I would watch the news. And, and it, it doesn't matter what your beliefs are, right? Of political beliefs. I would look at this stuff and if you, it just would make me crazy. And like I would go home and my wife's a big watcher of the news and I'd go, honey, shut it off. I can't do this. And so we both just decided to turn it off. And it's been awesome. And it, it has been because I don't have any of the noise. Now it's, I pray in the morning and I go do my mm -hmm. deal. And when it's time for me to vote, I'm going to vote. Seems like there's a lot of upheaval in our world. Like, but you go back when Nixon was president, there's always been divide, right? What's your view? I mean, are we going to figure this out? Is the United States going to blow itself up or are we going to figure this out? Are you, are you, do you have a positive view on where we're heading? I do because I have a positive view of Americans. Right. So, um, and again, I never speak about political things. So it's yeah. just not me, but I right. will tell you that I got, and this is not political at all. Um, I became very frustrated with the media and particularly the cable news networks. Right. Because I knew the data that they were stating, they were just parroting a given party. That's what I felt. Too. And they became unbelievably, uh, frankly, they became unbelievably um, biased. Totally. And, and very much just a, a party parrot. Uh, whether it's Republican Party or the Democratic Party, and they took it to extremes in both areas. So much so that I funded a study at the University of Texas uh, with a very brilliant uh, media professor there that confirmed what you just said, Bill. Uh, so they did a study of Fox News and CNN and MSNBC, and they found that, uh, and I'm maybe off a few percentage points, that essentially 50% of what was stated were inaccurate facts. Uh, but what bothered me the most is they know, they know that they are uh, not stating factual content. Right, propaganda. They know that they are uh, just lathering up whoever they're talking to at the time. Um, and what that does is it increases profit. As people get frustrated or angry or whatever it may be, and it and it creates more clicks or whatever you want to do. And what really irritated me are really two things. One is 
the media put profit over people instead of getting the facts, particularly about COVID, into people's hands. Oh. All you had to do was go to UT Southwest or John Hopkins or right. others to get the facts set and deliver it in an unbiased fashion to the American people. Instead, they opted for profit. And the um, media is very adept at, at, at creating uh, disarray, et cetera. So that is just a factual statement, and we found it at the, with the study at University of Texas. And the other component that was frustrating to me is that our political parties, whether it's Republican or Democrat, put the party ahead of people. And so both of those were a little frustrating to me, um, but I didn't know what to do about it. So we did fund the study and we got it out there. But I just think that uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah. I'm very bullish uh, despite the extremism and the media and others yeah. that are they're extolling that we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Like, I just think um, all this divide is fed by these these news yeah. agencies yeah. and I think it's created the angst in the world because yeah. it's all this you know this it's just creating a deeper divide there's a supreme court case just to get everyone a little comfortable there's a supreme court case that is going to be um, heard by the supreme court and it will I think be really interesting to see the outcome which essentially would uh, increase the litigation risk to media companies great for stating non-factual great. content so i think that could be interesting it would be awesome yeah so we see things happening like that but that that'll be really interesting okay what what out there makes you uncomfortable economically is there anything out there you kind of think like a there's a black maybe black swan's too strong but something out there you're going we need to keep an eye on that i mean are you worried about the way we're our government spending money or I mean, do you think we're just going to all figure figure all this out? It seems like like money is just like uh, whenever I see people not respecting a dollar, it comes too quick, too much appreciation, too fast. Everything you know, people start thinking things always go up. Does that make you nervous? It does. Me too. Yeah. I think the deficit spending has always concerned me because uh, we do have to pay it back and it's going to come to the taxpayers to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, are there necessary uh, spending items that we need to do? Of course. I mean, there really are. I mean, there's yeah. a lot, like anything out there, there are valid arguments uh, on both sides of what we need. The question is in what amount. And so when I think about various stimulus measures we've already taken on top of some other aspects, I guess the question really becomes, um, does that really generate economic growth that would allow us to grow ourselves out of it? Out of it, Right. And that really is the debate. It really isn't, you know, do we need it? Uh, part of the debate is what's the most efficient way to, to do that? Is it vis-a-vis government or something else? But I think, I think the fact is, will it generate sufficient jobs and economic activity to allow yeah. us to grow out? Yeah. I mean, is it possible, do you think, you're the smart guy, right? I'm not For smart. us to manage the economy so that we don't ever get into another recessionary no. position. There's no way, right? Because no. re- recession is resetting a value when things get out I of think, I think, um, I think everyone should pause a minute and think back to 2019. Because in 2019, we were 
everyone was very, very concerned about a 10-year bull run. Yes. And that it was going to end, and it was going to end soon. Yeah. That was 2019. That was the that was the narrative from every large investor in the world. And everyone was very concerned about it. In all asset classes. When the pandemic hit, we had that immediate sell-down, uh, which was interesting. And then this incredible, unpredictable rise. It's crazy. That happened. But I think what is now there is that you have, anytime you you fuel an economic engine like the United States, which is incredibly robust. Right. And you fuel it as much as we've fueled it with um, subsidy components, um, spending in various sectors, et cetera. When you have that much government stimulus, it's going to generate economic activity until it doesn't. And so then the question becomes, when does that happen or, or what happens? But it, it, it is going to be inevitable that we will have some kind of correction. Um, and I don't know what that would cause. I mean, and it may be many, many years in the future. Some of the things I worry about is supply chain issues we've got. Mm-hmm. How do these companies keep reporting good, good revenue when they can't get product? Like, I mean, I talk to every car dealer. They can't get a car. I mean, they're selling used cars. I'm selling my daughter's used car for ten thousand more than I paid for it eighteen months ago. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, I uh, well, um, I do think supply side issues are uh, a significant challenge yeah. to the economy, and I do think that we're going to have to figure that one out quickly because it's going to start affecting people on the basics that we need, uh, and that's going to get everyone's attention. So that is that is a concern. But does that mean, uh, do you think that's temporary or not? Well, you know, it's very likely temporary. Yeah, I think they'll figure it out. Yeah, they'll figure that out. Yeah. Um, is inflation real or is it not real? So all these various narratives. I would just say that eventually we're going to have to come together as a country and think about, well, okay, if we do all this and let's say that some percentage of it is necessary, which is true, how are we going to pay for it? And and what do we, what do, we do economically? Does it really stimulate what matters most, which is jobs, safe jobs, and good jobs for yeah. Americans in general. That, that'll be the key, Bill. Right. Okay, so let's say college kids. You sound like a politician on that. No, I think you're spot on. <laughs> I mean, let's say college kids, not a college, yeah. wants to get in the real estate business, yeah. comes to talk to Mark Gibson. Uh-huh. What advice? I mean, I, I'm, I, I try to help as many people looking for work as possible by being honest with them and giving them good guidance. And, you know, mine is about you got to get with the right people, people that care about you because you want to get into like I, I always recommend JLL as if because you guys are playing the game at a really big level and. So it allows a young person, if they can add value to a team, to really see all facets mm-hmm. of the business and kind of decide where their passion is or if it's a fit for them. Because it's more about getting in the right position and then meeting the right people. Mm-hmm. What kind of, what do you tell people that, because they want to be Mark Gibson. I mean, what do you tell somebody starting out? Because it's so hard if you're 23. I mean, nobody's going to hire you if you're 23 to, to lead. You have to follow and learn, right? Be a be a piece of a team or a part of it. 
Any any wisdom you got for young people on what you yeah, I would say uh, I would say a couple of things. One is uh, uh, you said that one of you, Mark Gibson, you need to first set your sides much higher, higher than that. Yeah, yeah a hell of a lot higher. So uh, let's have that out of the way. But I would say uh, the most important thing is to get into an environment where you can learn the most, the fastest. So find out where you can learn the most, the fastest. And number two is, and this is really important to me personally, um, you need to learn how to do business the right way. Because there is a lot of gray in business. And we have example after example after example to where people diminish their character or their integrity unknowingly in many cases because they just haven't been taught uh, what is white and what is black Mm -hmm. and they operate in the gray area. So I would counsel people to get around an environment that is happening. And so just think about education. Your education really starts after college. Right. Totally. Um, I mean, that's real education. It was pregame. Now it's game time. And you got to get that education should continue the rest of your life. So go find something that can get it to you quickly that you can learn as fast as you possibly can. And then number two is be very, very careful on who you affiliate with because it will stay with you the rest of your life. Um, So make certain that you're with people of integrity and character and actually know how to tell the truth, which today, despite the circumstances, by the way, that is really important because it's such a business differentiator Uh, ironically it's a really interesting differentiator so if you can do those two things it'd be great right and don't focus on the money would you agree with that don't focus on the money will become and i'm saying this as someone who i was the first person to go to college uh, in my family um i had to get out and make money uh Pay rent and yeah. car payments and all the things that everybody does. So I know it's important to basically live, but it will, in hindsight, be immaterial relative to what I just said. Mm-hmm. The two components: learning totally. and be around people who teach you the right way to do business. Right. Okay. So, like when uh, when your partners come to you and say, "Okay, Mark, uh, you're not effective anymore. It's time for you to go fishing." I mean, when when you get beyond or at the end of maybe your career, like for me, what's important to me is I don't care about a legacy for me. I don't care about any of that stuff. I just kind of want to make sure that I gave something back. And in my own little way, it's a little better place for my efforts. And, you know, it's not, I used to be when I was young, oh, I built that building. That building will be there after I'm there. Nobody cares. You know, I mean, they're going to have a garage sale when we die and it's just everybody's going to move on, you know. But is there something that really drives you that you really want to make sure you've yeah. gotten done when, before you're done? Yeah, there are two things um, that are goals of mine. Uh, we'll see if, if it happens. One is, I think, the, the true definition of leadership is to leave a company or a team or whatever it is better than when you found it. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, that would be a win. 
huge. And secondly, uh, I personally would like that when it is my time to exit, whenever that is, that I would rather them say, gosh, we're going to miss him. Yeah. You know, I really uh, enjoyed working with him. I really appreciate things he taught me. And yeah. he motivated me and yeah. tough love or whatever it may be. Uh, you know, I'm going to miss him. Versus, man, I'm glad that ass is gone. <laughs> uh, so I, don't think you have to worry about so I really, uh, and that goes with the first, you know, leave something better Um then you found it. And that's all walks of life. Right. Um, could be anything that one does. But right. if you have that mentality, I'm, you know, I'm just here to make it better. Right. Uh, it's not all about me. Uh, you know, if, if it's all about we and you can collectively move the ball forward, that's a pretty cool thing to leave. Yeah. I think. So those would be my two yeah. answers. Well, um, I want to thank you for the time. Yeah. I, I, uh, I've told you, like, you guys are the reason I'm a developer, you and Jody. When I started and I decided I wanted to build a building, I don't know how you got me the money, but you did. And, and you know, nobody ever asked me. Because we believed in you, Bill. You did. That you did. And you believed in me and you made me real. And, and it's, it's a uh, affinity I have for both of you that I'll always have. And I know that you guys are a, a, a part of getting me off in, in my direction that I'm, I wanted to be a developer and I appreciate that. And I think, um, I just appreciate you taking the time because people want to hear how you think and what makes you click. And, and I know you personally, and I know what a special guy you are. And I just want you to know, I really appreciate you taking the time. Well, vice versa. And can't tell you the confidence you placed in us it means a lot to us, man. It's all about relationships. You know, at the end of the day, yeah. Um, you want to look back and say, golly, I had some really great friends and relationships that were built through business. Right. Uh, and you just started at the top of the list for me in terms of a great friend, a great guy. And you and I met through business. We wouldn't have met a, otherwise, Never. probably right. ever. Right. And it's been horrific. So thank you for taking the time, Bill. You got it. Thanks. You bet. That's it for today. I'd like to thank Mark Gibson and Bill Cauley for their time as well as the Dallas Business Journal for its support of our Legends of Commercial Real Estate series. Remember to subscribe to the show to get all new episodes right to your mobile device, and follow us on social media for the latest from around the organization. We've put links to everything in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for listening.